0: Welcome to the Dislocation Podcast, where we discuss innovation and in real estate. My name is David Friedlander.
1: My name is Dror Polig,
0: And we have a not as new as last week format, where we're just kind of discussing what we found interesting this week. Uh, so Dror, do you want to tell me what you found interesting this week?
1: so actually a, a handful of stories i'm not sure if we'll manage to discuss all of them today uh, but the first one is about starbucks new policy concerning uh, access to bathrooms and generally people loitering or sitting in their spaces without using um basically without ordering anything the second is china's uh, iq which is a uh, china's netflix that is an online streaming service that now launched its own offline cinemas, uh, which are a little different from traditional cinemas. The third is a piece uh, from CityLab about behavioral design in Japanese train stations. And the last one is uh, an, an article that I read about the Regis, Regis, IWG, Uh, to a very old kind of flexible space or serviced office operator that is now more or less being put up for sale and why it is valued a certain way and at a much lower multiple than we work and i think there's quite a healthy discussion about that and maybe most importantly we have to discuss the event that we're having next week in new york cool
0: yeah and uh i i don't have nearly as much to talk about and Far less to do with China, but I'm going to talk a little bit about senior housing and the silver tsunami that is coming to our shores, and a little bit about modular housing uh, in in New York City, more specifically. So, George, you want to you want to kick us off?
1: Yeah. So, Starbucks uh, earlier this week published a new policy uh, instructing its employees on what to do when people want to use the bathroom or just want to sit in one of their cafes, but they don't order anything. Uh, this comes in the tales of an incident that happened a month ago or so, where two, two, two non-customers, I guess, two people walked into a Starbucks branch, wanted to use the bathroom. I think they were denied uh, the possibility to do so, and then they wouldn't leave. The manager of the branch or one of the employees called the police. The police ended up more or less arresting them or handcuffing them as it happens, they were both also African-Americans and it became a big story about, you know, discrimination and whether there's a clear policy on who is allowed to do what. And uh, Starbucks felt that they had to respond. Mm-hmm. So earlier this week, they published a policy that, that that has some, I think some interesting lesson for for operators of, uh, of real estate and also for Starbucks itself. So I mean, on the good side, Starbucks said that It expects its employees to uh, treat anyone who enters our space as a customer. So even if they don't pay, we have to, you know, serve them, make a good impression and, you know, live the values of the brand, which is, I guess, a very uh, noble thought. And at least for traditional office or even residential landlords, it's a point of view that I think should be adopted, like to, to realize that anyone that walks into a building is someone that you should have a relationship with it or at least consider having a relationship with it. And maybe you can even make money off of that. doesn't just mean donating things to, to these people or giving free access. Um, as you know, many landlords these days, I mean, on the office side, mostly they do not consider even the employees of their tenants to be really their customers. Uh, and in a lot of residential communities, landlords go to great lengths to hide the fact that they even own the building. So they, you know, they they own buildings through multiple companies and uh, try to hide behind a property manager or someone like that and, and, and to avoid the relationship. So it's very nice that Starbucks is, uh, is aspiring to treat anyone who enters their space as a customer. But uh, there's also another angle that seems... Um, that seems a little more negative. I mean, where I'm not sure that Starbucks is actually doing the right thing by just saying anyone can use our bathrooms and, and it's fine.
0: Which which is what?
1: So it, it brought to mind the fact, I mean, the, you know, Steve Jobs keeps coming up in, in a lot of discussions, and, and there he is again. And uh, he, he had a really a really great way of understanding what people actually want and what they want to do with certain products. And then instead of trying to deny them to find a great new offering a great new business model in in order to give them what they want but also to make money from it and to create an amazing experience for them so most famously apple um they had a music player and the thing called the ipod i think launched in 2001 and the music labels were very angry at the time that people are using this device to basically listen to illegally downloaded MP3s. And uh, they were very angry. Users were a little bit uh, discomforted because Apple didn't, it wasn't terribly easy to move these MP3s into an iPod to begin with. And uh, Apple felt at risk of, you know, getting sued by these music companies. So Steve Jobs looked at the situation and he had, he had, two options I guess one was to ignore the music labels and say hey you know I'm just I'm just building this device it's not intended to allow people to download music illegally so you know it's none of my problem I'm just a hardware company the second option was uh, to say okay I'm I'm gonna you know I'm gonna help you enforce the law and I'm gonna block people from downloading music into these devices And what Jobs chose to do was actually a third option. He said, wait, if people want to download music and they really like our devices, why don't we build a whole music store around this and just let them download stuff song by song and not have to buy traditional albums as they have done before? And uh, that gave rise to the iTunes music store and built the whole iPod empire that uh, the iPhone came out of and when the iphone came out i think the same the same kind of approach to to product development and to f- to focusing on what customers want to do was uh, was on display as well because steve jobs looked at how people use mobile phones and he said wait okay so phones in theory are supposed to make phone calls and you know send texts or emails but a lot of people these days seem to be very interested in listening to music and in taking photos so maybe we'll just build a device that r- does these two things really, really well, even if we're not very good at making calls yet and if our battery life is very limited. And they launched the iPhone. And, and again, it, it, it became an amaz- amazing franchise and incredibly successful product, even though it was very bad at doing what phones were supposed to do, but it was amazing at doing other things that customers seemed to be very interested in doing. But to bring this whole story back home to Starbucks, it seems that Starbucks is, uh, in, in in essence, in many ways, a co-working space. I mean, there's tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people around the world that go to Starbucks to work. They go and they sit with their computers and they use their Wi-Fi, uh, whether it's their own or they use the Starbucks' own Wi-Fi. They have meetings there. They just want to pass the time. They want to use the bathroom. And often, you know, they don't need to drink a coffee every 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And uh Maybe instead of either, you know, calling the police on them or saying, okay everyone can use the bathroom, Starbucks can actually build a a proper business model around it. You know, allow people to either pay for time or pay some kind of membership that allows them uh, to, uh, you know, to to use the spaces, including the bathrooms, or even have some kind of, uh, you know, an app like uh, the same way that Breather do it or that uh, Spacious do it in a different way. To just allow people to find a branch or nearby and go That's there and good. sit and, and pay you know by the minute by the hour by the month
0: i actually just ran across something and apparently there was a report recently by e-marketer about starbucks mobile payment platform and it's actually mm-hmm. more popular than uh apple wallet and google pay uh with Amazing. starbucks and let's say they've they've um Amass more than uh, let's see. Amass more customer cash than many banks. 1.2 billion as of uh, 2016.
1: Uh, (laughs) That can buy you a lot of toilet paper, I guess. Yeah,
0: exactly. So (laughs) yeah, they could they could they could charge per square or uh, you know uh, more probably realistic is charging for Wi-Fi. You know, which if if there was no friction in terms of payment, you know, I think people would, would 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 gladly pay, you know, a couple bucks an hour for, for Wi-Fi, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. And and already after Starbucks announced this policy, there was kind of a, a moderate backlash from, from customers that said, hey, you know, it's already really busy in your branches. Right. I can't get a place to sit. I have to stand in line for the bathroom with all sorts of people that are not your customers. So you, you, maybe you're trying to be nice, but you're actually making the experience worse for me. You're making it worse for your employees. You're making it worse for yourself as a business, probably, because... There were already interviews with Starbucks employees, like anonymously telling stories about you know people shooting drugs and them having to go in and and, and clean blood or other worse things uh, off of their bathrooms. And you know it turns out that managing a public toilet business, especially a free one, is pretty hard work.
0: Yeah, well, maybe they could like do like a AR VR coffee that um you know just shows up on your on your table.
1: Yeah, sell sell virtual coffee and, and and real bathrooms and and co-working spaces.
0: Exactly.
1: Uh, yeah, but but we'll we'll leave it at that. I think so. Cool. Uh, it's nice of them to want to be nice, but it seems a little bit like a knee-jerk reaction and you know, kind of succumbing to the to, to 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 the mob or like to social media outrage and then kind of making a bad decision for their actual clients and even missing out on new people that they can turn into clients.
0: Well, they have an opportunity to monetize the, you know, the third space. Cause there's really not, mm-hmm. I mean, like I certainly can say in New York, there's not all that many thirds, you know, the kind of third spaces mm-hmm. that are not residential, that are not, uh, you know, that are not ex- expressly commercial and Starbucks because their ubiquity, you know, s- serve that role. Um, but that, you know, they, they are a business. Uh, so Absolutely. it's kind of false to false to pretend that they're not.
1: And 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 definitely tying it back to what you said about their mobile payment platform, I think once you make it easy for people to pay, people people pay for like surprisingly high amounts for things that even if you ask them, they would say that they would never pay for. Right. Uh, it, it, it kind of brings to mind something else that I was thinking about last week to go off on a little tangent here. But uh, I was in London for a few days and, you know, I use Uber in New York every now and then, but mostly the subway. And when I was in London, I relied on it a little more. And uh, it, it was so easy, obviously, to come to a new town and just open an app and to have everything work and not need to, you know, exchange any currency. And what I noticed after a few days is that I actually spent a lot of money yeah. on Uber. <laughs> and, uh, and I noticed that, you know, still I was quite happy about it. And, and I didn't even consider the price when I was booking things. And uh it, it brought to mind, you know, Marshall McLuhan the idea that the medium is the message. And uh and, and I guess that applies to to business these days as well, because the fact that it's so easy to book and it's so immediate is more important than the price and and you know and the service and what's on the other side of it. And uh and definitely Starbucks is, is in a position to uh you know to leverage the tools that they have now in the network that they have to, to build a great experience both for their employees, their customers, uh, their non-customers that can become customers. And, and I think for themselves as a business as well, and and it could be still aligned with their values and they can be nice when they want to be nice, but I don't think they need to mess up their whole offering just to try to appease anyone. Cool. Um, so tell us about senior housing and the silver
0: tsunami. <laughs> the silver tsunami. Well, I, you know, we, we, we occasionally talk about uh, co-living and there's just such a focus on millennial housing as, you know, it's kind of the end all be all in terms of, uh, you know, what's coming down the line. And uh, I, I caught wind of a new development from uh, Margaritaville uh, Holdings, uh, which is Jimmy Buffett's um, company. So uh, for those of you who are uh, not raised in the suburbs or Florida, Jimmy Buffett uh, sang the song. Uh, margaritaville which was uh the number 8 uh, uh top hit in some place in the early 80s and has been okay. yeah he, that, that was that was his top hit um
1: I, I wasn't aware of his existence by the way i mean i guess yeah he's not I'm, big I'm, I'm in the from the middle east <laughs>
0: <laughs> margaritaville is um is somewhere in the southeast uh united states and Anyway. Oh, so it's a name of a place.
1: I thought it's like a play on words on like the, the margarita, the drink or something. Or it is a play on, vacation.
0: On, on our margaritaville. But he, anyway, he's built like this huge empire. He's got the margaritaville restaurants. I think he's got like a bar thing. It's like 5 o'clock, basically. It's all these kind of alcohol-themed, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, franchises. So th- his okay. latest one is the Latitude Margaritaville, which is a uh, – as in quote unquote 55 and greater usually called 55 plus uh mm-hmm. community in florida one of them uh the main one is a one billion dollar sixty nine hundred home 200 and uh, with two hundred thousand square foot retail in uh, daytona beach florida and you so know, just to
1: make sure i understand you're talking yeah. about like a residential community or a retirement community for people 55 years or older that is Got it. Themed? yeah
0: and Based on yeah this so this is yeah, so the, the- I mean, this is kind of the big so you know there's there's, there's a, a a few years ago the Harvard put out a study uh, and, and it kind of alludes to this you know the term that this, the, the, the silver tsunami uh, essentially mm-hmm. there's you know it's ten thousand baby boomers hitting retirement age uh, you know uh, every day, and most of them you know the, the vast majority of them live in large single family housing that, you know, is going to be increasingly, increasingly hard to maintain, afford, and drive to and from because it's, you know, it, it's typically very car centric.
1: So to clarify, I mean, they they own the houses mostly, but there's property taxes and there's maintenance, which is kind of a big issue, both monetary and just in time consumed on taking care of these houses and living in them usually means that you need to own a car. Yes. Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, kind of created a, a huge need for, uh, you know, senior friendly housing, um, something I came across, it was like 1% of the U.S. housing stock is, is uh, has like this um, one step, uh, you know, it's, uh, let's see, let, me, let me pull this up here. It's, um, well, let here's some statistics, like the number of Americans over the age of 80 is set to double in the next two decades. Uh, with the head of one in three U.S. households to be over the age of 65 uh, by 2035. So, you know, seniors are going to take on this huge part of the population. And and actually, um, you know, another thing that I ran across this week, which is kind of related, is um, uh, basically that fertility rates have actually hit a record low. uh, the fertility fertility rate declined to sixty point uh, two births per one thousand women of childbearing age, down three percent from 2016. twenty sixteen. I mean, three percent. This is kind of reminding me a little bit about what you're talking about with Japan being this kind mm-hmm. of, um, you know, with with their with their famous low fertility rates, uh, being sort of a canary in the in the coal mine. So anyway, mm-hmm. there's this this huge population. The uh, you know uh, the, what I was going to say. Um, you know 1% of the housing current housing stock offers features such as zero step entrances single floor plans wide halls and doorways that can accommodate a wheelchair lever handles and electronic controls this is uh, I'm reading from construction dive here okay. but you know one of the one of the but that Harvard, same Harvard report also said that a lot of these people are not going to move until it's too late and what I think is interesting I mean besides just kind of the the you know, the, the enormity of, of the, uh, you know, the, just the, the scale of, of the project, a billion dollars. And they're actually following it up with another project, uh, 3000 plus homes in Hilton head is, you know, is, is the kind of the the nuance of the branding that, you know, the baby boomer generation don't necessarily see themselves as old people. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Well, like at 55, I mean, who would these days?
0: Right. Uh, so I mean, Young as I
1: am, I still, you know, I find it offensive that people so young would be, uh, be labeled as old people are expected to, you know, move to like a community of their own.
0: Right. I mean, I don't know what the, what the median age is for, for these places. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I think there's been some uh, rumblings I saw a couple, couple weeks ago of actually increasing, you know, of upping the, uh, you know, upping the retirement age uh, from, from its current 65
1: well, but, it makes sense. I think at least for for those who are who are healthy,
0: yeah. So you know, I just, it just it, 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 it struck my mind. You know, that just, just the sheer scale of it, and then also, you know, that people are starting to reposition and relook at senior housing. Um, I mean, I also think that there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in terms of. Uh, you know there's a, a platform out of the bay area i can't think of its name right now but they're you know they're connecting existing homeowners with millennial renters for you know kind of discounted rents for mm-hmm. for helping out around the house uh
1: so helping older people share their the houses that their own that they own with younger renters who can also help with companionship and maybe maintenance or chores yeah
0: exactly exactly okay. and then you know and then also adus which are also known as granny granny flats so you know, increasing density, you know, sometimes ADU, uh, accessory dwelling units, uh, for those who don't know, usually little cottages that are put in the backyards of single family housing. Uh, a lot of times the, what will actually, the scenario is that the, the existing homeowner will actually move into the cottage and then the larger house will be, you know, become home to a, you know, to a younger family, for example. So, you know, I think there's a lot of, a lot of creativity in a lot of places where this, this market can, you know, can, can expand and, and serve people better than the existing, you know, just kind of churning out these large, you know, I mean, still the, the median size for a single family new house is around 2,500 square feet, uh, which is, you know, just a lot of space for, you know, an empty nester
1: or even those smaller families that you described based on the lower fertility rate that, uh, that we're seeing for sure so you expect this community despite uh, the, the it's it's distasteful maybe style to maybe not do too badly
0: yeah i think i actually think that distasteful style is is a a, a hallmark of, of the future taste. uh so uh yeah i, I could see it um see doing quite well um and it's funny if you look at their their marketing materials they're just like all these you know older older folks just <laughs> like there's beer or margaritas in, in every, in every one of the, every one of the pictures. And, you know, I kind of, I sometimes joke because it's like you got these, it, it would be great to see more intergenerational living because, you know, actually there's like studies about the millennials and seniors, both being more uh, interested in experiences over, you know, living in large homes and, you know, mm-hmm. maybe figuring out, you know, kind of the, you know, I'm sure you've run across the the Pew study that says there's more people, you know, more millennials living at home than any other uh, lifestyle situation. Yeah. So figuring out a way of, you know, kind of merging the, the interests of the of these, you know, underemployed millennials with these day drinking seniors, um, I think, you know, it could have like a, a real uh, heyday for for this type of housing.
1: This, this actually connects to another uh, real estate related event that happened this week in New York. I think there was a, a millennial that was evicted by his parents and they had to go to court in order to kick him out of the house because right. they didn't want him there anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't I didn't, get all the particulars of it. I think he had, uh, uh, he had basically, I mean. Uh, is he
1: even a millennial? I think he might even be a little older, no? No, like, he's 30,
0: older. which is like squarely in the okay. millennial. But he didn't call mm-hmm. himself, I mean, he, he was, there's was like all this controversy because he said he wasn't a millennial. Uh, he looked like someone from a Dungeons and Dragons convention, um, which didn't, you know, just kind of made him the butt of jokes. But I mean, no in sense
1: so- to our listeners who just came back from a <laughs> yeah, convention of Dragons this kind. Um,
0: but, and in, 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 I mean, <laughs> he actually is emblematic of a, of a larger thing. Now, I mean, he, he you know, it,
1: uh, but the funny thing is, though, that you're saying, I mean, those baby boomers—not just that they don't want to move out of their house, they actually want the whole house to themselves, right? Even if that means kicking out their kids.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I can I can certainly see both perspectives. Um, you know, the, the oppor- you know economic opp- opportunities are you know statistically less for. Millennials than they were for their previous generation like upper mobility is you know I think it's you know, we're basically flatlining or, or or on a downward trend towards economic opportunity mm-hmm. um I mean I wouldn't personally want to live someplace that you know I wouldn't want to live in my parents' house if they wanted me out but um uh,
1: no you know. so I mean for me it's hard to understand this because you know I have a Jewish mother she would want me to live with her forever I think so it's a little different but uh I can definitely understand both both perspectives as well.
0: Yeah. Do you want to uh, talk about your next topic?
1: Uh, I think we're we're kind of running out of time, so okay. I'll just do it quickly, and then maybe we'll say a couple of words about our event. But one, just one story that, that I, I found really interesting. So China's uh, basically the Netflix of China. A company called IQI, that's iQIYI, that's uh, i q i y i, which is a streaming service, decided to launch its on on demand offline cinemas. But these cinemas are not just on demand in the sense that you open an app and you can see, you know, you can find a a cinema hall around you and you can walk in and watch a movie, but you can actually decide what to watch. So it's basically like a a Netflix binging room on demand where you can just click on a button, you find a a space nearby that has a screen. It's a private room Mm -hmm. and you can just go in and... For one, one person and watch whatever you want i guess for one or two and then you know we can both imagine what, what people will be doing with these spaces as well and i'm not sure how they're mitigating this or maybe that's the purpose of the business what, what's uh, the name in, of the company again? In, implicitly i q i y i okay
0: so i q and chill
1: I, <laughs> IQ, IQ and chill yes uh so that's that i guess the we work valuation we can leave to another time we're a little tired of speaking about them as well uh, so, last thing before we finish. So, well, next I, week. I, I,
0: I, okay. Sorry to interrupt, but I, I, I just just to plug, because I'm pretty bullish on modular construction, the city, mm-hmm. the uh, HPD, uh, Housing Preservation Development, Department of Housing and Pre- De- Housing Preservation and Development announced an RFP for a uh, 100% affordable housing mm-hmm. project in. Uh, in East New York uh, this week, which is which is pretty exciting in my little world, and uh, basically, you know, the De Blasio administration is uh, is putting their money where their mouth is. Um, the, the, you know, they they set out this goal of of hundred or no, excuse me, three hundred thousand permanent or uh, affordable housing units by 2026 and uh, they launched this housing 2.0 initiative which sought out a uh, various different innovative ways of building and um this mm-hmm. is in early march they put on an rfi and rfei for modular projects but now they're actually putting up uh, a a parcel of land uh, which is right off of a sub uh, A-line, a line subway stop and has a bunch of you know pretty attractive characteristics. Uh, it's zoned for kind of a six to eight story R six designation. So, I'm and looking... there's
1: several other subway lines near there, right? If I remember correctly, I'm not sure which part of um, East New York it
0: is. I don't, I I, I don't know, but um, I mean, I actually look it on the map here, but it's um, it it, it it is, I mean, literally on the on the same block as uh, the Grant Avenue subway station. So, it's uh, you know, it's it's good that they're you know considering uh, you know that so to use modular construction in order to alleviate housing shortage. basically? yeah, well just mean you know, really exploring how it can uh, be a, a tool for uh, for you know more affordable housing for more streamlined uh, you know development process which is you know uh, actually there was a report that came out this this week uh, from Turner. That New York actually is the highest uh, construction costs in the world, or I, I think uh, Zurich might have been a little bit more, but for some reason, uh, New York is actually considered more. With the average buildable square foot being three hundred twenty-six dollars a square foot, um, and mm-hmm. and the average tradesperson making ninety-eight dollars a uh, an hour, so. Um, wow. So, I mean, that, that makes it pretty, pretty impossible. I mean, you know, factor in land costs makes it pretty impossible to build affordably. So, you know, modular could go a long way towards, um, you know, kind of reducing, reducing those, those costs. So, that's all. Cool.
1: So, next Thursday, that's the 30th Wednesday. of May. Sorry, that's Wednesday. Right. <laughs> I guess. The yeah. 30th of May, a Wednesday. Wednesday. At 6pm, we're having a little event in New York where each of us is going to give a short presentation about different innovations that we've seen recently in the world of uh, both commercial real estate and residential real estate, uh, and also an opportunity to meet, uh, you know, a lot of our local friends here who are both in real estate or in technology or in some combination thereof, and to eat pizza together.
0: Yes. It, uh, so we've already sold quite a few tickets and uh, expect a pretty pretty, uh, pretty packed house. It's going to be at Building Link Labs and uh, conveniently in the Flatiron District of New York City. Uh, what else? So
1: that's 85 Fifth Avenue. That's in the corner of 16th Street and Fifth Avenue. Uh, so 6 p.m. 30th of May. Probably we'll have about, I think, 60 people, maybe a little more. Uh, so it should be pretty nice. If you're in the city, in the area, please join us. It would be nice to see you in person.
0: And we'll put a link in the uh, description of this podcast.
1: We will. So that was this location for this week. Thank you for listening.
0: Thanks for listening.